They are coming for our children, ladies and gentlemen. They told us they were coming for our children, and they were not kidding. The reason that they are coming for our children is because if you can break children early, then you can control them. If you can control them as children, then you can control them as adults. The evil that we have allowed to exist in this nation since its founding is finally coming to fruition. And if we do not stop it, it will destroy this nation. And if this nation is destroyed, there will be no free place left on earth. Let's take a look at what I'm talking about here. These concepts start in academia. For those of you who are not watching, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I want to introduce you to a book called Introduction, or I'm sorry, Introducing the New Sexual Studies, Original Essays, 4th edition. This particular chapter is written by one Carrie H. Robinson. That's K-E-R-R-Y H. Robinson. I want you folks to get on social media and make this book and this person famous. Also, the publisher, Rutledge, R-O-U-T-L-E-D-G-E. I'm going to read you the abstract from this. This chapter examines the concept of children's sexual citizenship its meaning and importance to children's health and well-being, to their agency, and to building respectful and ethical gendered and sexual subjects. The precarious relationship between childhood and sexuality and its relevance to children's sexual citizenship is explored. Sexuality is widely considered in society as irrelevant or a danger to children. It is perceived as a signifier of being an adult. As such, some adults view sexuality as an aspect of adult life from which children need protection. This essay argues that the Western discourse of, quote, childhood innocence, end quote, generally mobilized by adults to protect children, can work to undermine children's agency, their health and well-being, and increase their vulnerability to exploitation. The discourse of childhood innocence is often used to deny and regulate children's access to certain knowledge, particularly comprehensive sexuality education. Comprehensive sexuality education, which can be built on over the early years into adolescence, scaffolding children's learning, provides a critical opportunity 
to address, amongst other issues, respectful and ethical relationships, gender and sexuality diversity, and sexual health and well-being, all relevant to children's and young people's sexual citizenship. That is the abstract from this filth, from this evil. We're going to parse this real quick. First sentence. This chapter examines the concept of children's sexual citizenship. Sexual citizenship implies that we human beings are a part of a collective. This is a Marxist construct. I guess in, in more modern terms, this is a Marxist-type construct, a neo-Marxist construct, that we are all citizens of the world and that we need to be good citizens of our collective so that our collective might function properly. My question is, to what end and to whose benefit? The obvious answer is to our rulers' benefit. Who are our rulers? Well, they have set themselves up as our rulers. These are people who have been educated far beyond their intelligence at Ivy League-type colleges. These are people who just arbitrarily, because they are rich and powerful, have decided that because they are rich and powerful, that they are somehow our betters. We are not citizens of a collective in the United States of America. In the United States of America, we have individual citizenship, individual rights, and liberties. This runs counter to the Marxist construct, which is a construct of collectivism. Once again, let me take a sip from my tea real quick. That's good tea. I'm not getting paid by them, folks, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk them up. It's uh, Davidson's organic tea, that particular version right there is their uh, Earl Grey green tea. They also have an Earl Grey red tea, which is made with rooibos, which is also very good, uh, and, an Earl Grey, uh, and a traditional Earl Grey black tea, all of which very good. Davidson's organic tea. I get it from Amazon. Anyway, back to this filth here. All right. All right. Chapter examines the concept of children's sexual citizenship, its meaning and importance to children's health and well-being. Who decides that this is good for their health and well-being? One wonders. Because previous to all of this insanity, this wickedness uh, that is now being hammered home, that children must be fully sexualized, uh, which has only come to the forefront of our society in the last couple of years, really. We have 
understood uh, over uh, thousands of years, actually, of uh, observing child development, exactly how children develop sexually. And it's worked just fine up until this point. One wonders why Marxism has to come along and consider itself better and smarter than thousands of years of proven development. Well, there's a reason for this. To their agency. This is, this is just insane here. The agency of a child. All of these things are well within the purview of the child's adult caretakers. Parents, preferably. And to building respectful and, eth listen to this, this is very important, respectful and ethical, gendered and sexual subjects. Ladies and gentlemen, subjects, they consider us subjects. Not only are we part of a collective, but we are a lower part of collective. We are subjects. Again, the question becomes subjects of whom? And again, I state subjects of this academic and financial elite. These are not people who have done anything to become leaders. These are not anybody who have done anything to in any way earn respect or earn leadership as has been the requirement for thousands of years. No, these are just people who set themselves up. And the way that they set themselves up well, is because we allow them to do so. We allow them to get to the heights that they get. We allow them to decide that they are going to be our leaders. But more to the point, we allow them to take hold of power. We allow them to influence our politicians, the people that we elect, which is why we are in the mess that we are in right now, and this mess is getting increasingly dangerous. The precarious relationship between childhood and sexuality and its relevance to children's sexual citizenship is explored. Okay, the real problem that I have with this particular sentence is that it's passive speech. And in an academic paper, you should avoid passive speech. Just saying. Sexuality is widely considered in society as irrelevant or a danger to children. It is perceived as a signifier of being an adult. Let's stop there. That's because it is. It is a signifier of being an adult. The reason it's a signifier of being an adult is because children are incapable. The purpose, all right, understand this, the purpose of sex is making 
children making babies. That is the purpose of sex. The purpose of sex. That is it. All right. The secondary, well, I don't know if it's secondary, but, but the other purpose of sex is to cement a bond of intimacy between man and wife. Man and wife. Tab A goes into slot B. It was designed that way because... Children are incapable of engaging physically in this act because they are incapable of producing offspring. They have not matured to the point that they can do it. So that's point one on the physical, point two on the emotional. They are not, they are not, they are not emotionally capable of handling this type of situation. They have not emotionally matured. The term is matured. In either case, emotionally or physically, they are not suited for this type of behavior. The only person who desires a child to engage in this behavior is an evil, wicked person who desires to exploit them. That is the only type of person who desires a child to engage in this behavior. The reason that people perceive this type of thing is because it is a reality. Just like I can see the wall in front of me, I can see the computers in front of me. These are a reality. This is thousands of years worth of reality. Oh, but children have been sexualized in other cultures before. Yeah, and how'd that work out with them? Where, where are they right now? Where is Greek culture right now? Where is Roman culture right now? As such, some adults view sexuality as an aspect of adult life. That's because it is. From which children need protection. That's because they do. This essay argues that Western discourse of childhood innocence, and this is an interesting point here too, because you can look, Let's look at some non-Western cultures. And sure enough, there are some non-Western cultures that do engage in childhood slavery, sexual slavery. One of them, uh, the, the most notable, is the Islamic culture. Not all of them, mind you, but there are some uh, cultures where this occurs, some Islamic cultures where this occurs. 
the Islamic cultures where this occurs, the children are victims of sexual slavery. And let's see, where, where, where are those Islamic cultures? Let's take a look at Afghanistan. Let's take a look at Iraq. Let's take a look at Iran. Compared to Western culture. Where are they? as far as advancement is concerned. Where are they engaging in this kind of behavior? They certainly aren't as advanced as we are. They certainly are not as powerful as we are. They certainly are not as financially powerful as we are. Oh, well, you know, look at Dubai. Yeah, let's look at Dubai. Let's look at Dubai. Saudi Arabia. Okay. Those areas are, first of all, a minority when it comes to the Muslim world. Okay. Any, any full-on Muslim republic does not have that kind of wealth. If it does, it does not have that kind of technological advancement. I mean, again, let's, let's look at, at, at two countercultures and, and Dubai and uh, Saudi Arabia have a lot of Western influence in them. This is one of the complaints of the hardcore Islamists is that they have gone too far west. So all of the advancements that you're looking at, the cars, the towers, and all that kind of stuff are Western influence. Western influence that has been placed over top of uh, Islamic countries in name only, for the most part. But let's look at full-on Islamic culture in Afghanistan compared to Islamic culture in Dubai. And you will see a massive, massive dichotomy between the two. You show me a culture that fully embraces childhood sexual slavery and I will show you a third world shithole. This essay argues that Western discourse of childhood innocence generally mobilized by adults to protect children can work to undermine children's agency, define children's agency. How is a child's agency? I'm assuming that means... No, it can't mean individual worth. Because individuals don't have worth to Marxists. So I'm assuming here that agency means that the way that they fit into the collective... How everybody is the same. How do they fit into the collective? How are they part of the collective? How are they generic? How are they made generic? All of this works against individualism, by the way. Their health and well-being. They use the term health and well-being here. 
uh, multiple times. How exactly does this harm a child's health or well-being? Again, we've got thousands of years, especially a recent couple of hundred years of child's health and well-being, and no child, not a single child, has suffered any problems, developmentally or otherwise, being denied hypersexuality. Not once throughout all of history has any child suffered from not being sexualized. So, what argument are they making here? How is hypersexualizing a child good for their health and well-being? When you've got thousands of years of history showing not only when a child is not hypersexualized that they grow up to be perfectly fine, And also thousands of years of history of showing when children are sexually exploited the psychological problems that result. We've got thousands of years of precedent here. And these people are deciding that they are so smart and so brilliant that they can switch things around all of a sudden after thousands of years that they can do it better. The discourse of childhood innocence is often used to deny and regulate child's access to certain knowledge. Let me ask you this. If you have a child and it's their birthday, let's say a five-year-old child, and it's their birthday, would you give them a lighter and a can of gasoline? Do you think they are prepared for that kind of knowledge? Would you give a toddler access to firearms? Do you think they're ready for that kind of knowledge? This essay... But beyond this essay, this concept that it is representative of in our society that is full-on assaulting our society right now. Does not take into account that children are not little adults. Children are not little adults. Children are children that grow into adults. Adults are capable of handling certain knowledge. But have you ever seen a child throw a temper tantrum because they didn't get what they wanted? Would you give that child a gun? No. So if you wouldn't give that child a gun, if they were not ready for that kind of responsibility, that means that there is a type of knowledge 
a type of responsibility that children are not ready for. And if having a gun is one of those things, then perhaps sexuality is another one of those things. Perhaps there are certain things that adults can do that children cannot. And there's another point here. The aspect of responsibility. Marxism. Neo-Marxism. Liberalism, progressivism, whatever ism you want to call it, whatever euphemism they are currently going by, operates off of the assumption that there should be no responsibility or accountability for one's actions. And that's a lie. Actions have consequences. And if you are the cause of those actions, then you are responsible for those consequences. All of this neo-Marxism, etc., etc., is, is it's a developmental disorder. These are people who have not grown up. They have not developed past Erickson's stage of identity versus role confusion. They're stuck in their teens, basically. They reject accountability. They reject responsibility. All they want is their personal pleasure all the time. And somebody else should be made to pay for it. And in this case the people who should be made to pay for their desires to sexually exploit children are the children. You know how they talk about this situation of sexual citizenship and us being sexual subjects as if we're not people, as if the children are not individuals, as if they are objects to be taken advantage of. If you're a subject, if you're part of a collective, then you have to serve somebody. And the somebody, folks, are these people who are putting out these theories, which, interestingly enough, benefit them. Nobody writes this kind of garbage unless they are a pedophile. Nobody writes this kind of garbage unless they are a pedophile. This is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a joke. This is real. This is happening right now. The whole idea of the, the pornography in schools, the whole idea of the gender-bending, transsexual, um, drag queen for kids stuff, the whole purpose of this 
is to sexually enslave our children. That is the point. They talk about, oh no, it's going to be better for their health and welfare. How? Oh, because it makes them sexually. How is that better? It better it's better for you because you get to exploit it. You drag queen, you pedophile, you transsexual, and all of this is coming from a group of people who make up less than 4% of the population of our country, of the world. And we have allowed it to come to the forefront. This stuff needs to be stigmatized. It needs to be criminalized. It needs to be punished. And it needs to be forced back into the dark recesses of our society where it belongs. We have allowed this snake into our garden in the name of tolerance, in the name of diversity. This was always the end game for the sexual movement. It started back in the, well, most recently started back in the 60s. The sexual revolution. This was always the end game. If you can enslave someone as a child, they will remain a slave forever. This stuff needs to be eradicated from our society, or our society will fall. Now, to the larger point, and this is a point that I have made multiple times, if we, the people of the United States, do not take swift and decisive action, swift, decisive, and complete action... Our republic will end. The longer this goes on, and it is accelerating, the longer that this goes on, the worse things are going to get. And the less likely we will be to escape from this with our republic intact the more likely it will be that we are going to have a national divorce. The more likely it will be that that national divorce will be had via violence. The longer we allow this to fester, the worse it's going to get. I don't know, folks.
And as I have always said, we need to be praying about this stuff, but it doesn't look like we are as Christians. It doesn't look like we are. It looks like we're going to end up like Israel ended up, splitting into two. One very wicked state and one not-so-wicked state. But even that not-so-wicked state still allowed evil to exist within its borders and that evil eventually, like a cancer, spread and destroyed that nation too. Looks like that's the way we're headed, folks. There's a whole lot of optimism out there, and I think that optimism is extraordinarily unfounded. And the reason I think that optimism is extraordinarily unfounded is because it does not take into account the reality of the nature of our enemy. Hell, it doesn't even consider our enemy as an enemy. If you do not identify that you even have an enemy, somebody who is out to outright destroy you and your way of life, if you don't realize that you're in a fight when you're in the middle of it, then you're going to lose. And we're losing, folks. And we are not doing anything to win. We are playing this game like it's, it's politics. This ain't politics, folks. This is our culture. This is our very existence. The United States, as we know it, absolutely 100% will end. And very soon. Very soon. If we don't fix this. And because we have allowed it to fester for so long, what we are going to have to do to fix this every single day as this goes on will become, by necessity, more extreme. Until we will reach a point very soon, if we haven't reached it already, where voting ain't going to cut it. That's reality. That's the way it is. Anyway, thanks for watching. Hit that like and subscribe button if you did indeed like it. And uh, hit me up in the comments down below. You can find me on Gab, Getter, Minds, and Truth Social at Doc Bryant. And I am on Twitter at Doc Bryant Actual. I will talk to you all later. Thing works out. There's nothing wrong with praying everything works out okay. There's nothing wrong with that, folks. But miracles don't happen until we take a step two. Every single miracle that happened in the Bible, I think except for one, were all preceded by an act of faith. We have to get involved. We got ourselves into this mess 
because we were not doing anything. We cannot get ourselves out of this mess by not doing anything. That's all I've got to say on that particular subject at the moment. Thank you for listening to my rant. If you like what you heard, hit the like and subscribe button down below. Tell your friends about it. Share this with them. Again, if you like what you heard, if you didn't, tough noogies. I'm not going to change anything, but you don't have to share anything unless you want to share it with your friends so that they can be offended with you. And I don't mind offending people, if you haven't guessed. Anyway, once again, thank you for listening. You can get me... Uh, you can get in contact with me on Gab, Getter, Truth Social, and Minds at Doc Bryant and on Twitter at Doc Bryant Actual. I will talk to you all later. Agencies, major social media outlet agencies. And then, as we know, we're involved in controlling the discussion on those major social media outlets. Ladies and gentlemen, they never stopped working for those intelligence agencies. Rather, they were conduits between the intelligence agencies and these tech platforms. They were working as conduits for official government propaganda. Not official government propaganda, I should say Marxist, Democrat propaganda. These people were still working for the intelligence agencies, they were working on behalf of these intelligence agencies in order to weaponize these social media platforms, these tech platforms. So with the weaponization of the intelligence agencies under Barack Hussein Obama, there was a subsequent weaponization of the major tech platforms and social media platforms via or by these weaponized intelligence agencies. Folks, the government of the United States, the federal government of the United States, is no longer a legitimate government. These are acts of war against the rightful government of the United States. The rightful government of the United States is we, the people. Both 
parties, Democrat and Republican, in the federal government and increasingly in state governments, consider themselves the rulers of the United States and consider us their subjects, their serfs, their slaves. We exist in their minds to provide them with wealth and power. They misappropriate our taxes, violating the Constitution of the United States of America in violation of the oaths that they took before God, whether they believe in him or not, and use those tax funds against us, weaponizing the intelligence agencies, weaponizing the major tech platforms as propaganda outlets. They have corrupted our election system such that they cannot lose, such that they will always stay in power. This is Marxist third world dictatorial behavior that does not exist in our Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, our federal government no longer is legitimate. They are prosecuting and have been prosecuting since Barack Hussein Obama, perhaps since the Clintons, perhaps even earlier than that, a war against us. Our, at this point, our only recourse, our next recourse, I should say, within the limits of the Constitution, must be, must be an Article 5 Constitutional Convention of the States. This has to happen. We cannot reform the federal government via elections any longer. It is impossible. The federal government has become too corrupt such that even good people, if elected, will rapidly either be corrupted or blackmailed into acquiescence with the evil that now occupies Washington, D.C. We must have a constitutional convention of the states. We must completely and entirely, with the inclusion of the bureaucracy dissolve 
the federal government, as is our right, per the Declaration of Independence. Now, the terrible, terrible thing about all of this is that there will be some people who see this or hear this and they will think, oh, this is radical, this is terrorist, he's talking about dissolving the federal government and that's just treason. No, ladies and gentlemen, it is not. And if anybody thinks so, they are somebody who does not know anything about the founding of this nation and the founding documents. They do not know anything about the Declaration of Independence. They do not know anything about the Constitution. They do not know that the federal government exists only to serve we, the people. We do not exist to serve the federal government. The federal government is not in charge. The federal government does not rule over us. It exists only to do our will. This is not radicalism. These are facts. These are objective truths that anybody can look up in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence. We do not serve the federal government. The federal government has no authority to create an omnibus bill a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill with our money. They do not have the constitutional authority to do that. They must make a budget. The budget must be submitted to Congress. Congress must approve said budget. They cannot just vote themselves money, yet we have been allowing them to do this to the point that they are now dug in like ticks on a hound dog. Now, I have no illusions about the fact that an Article 5 Constitutional Convention of the States will be met with an enormous amount of resistance from the Marxists. They will make an attempt even to declare such a thing unconstitutional, to declare it a, an unnecessary, ancient... Uh, leftover from a bygone era. We are so much more evolved now, just like we do not need a Second Amendment. We do not need an Article 5. As a matter of fact, we don't really even need a Constitution because we are so enlightened and so awakened. 
We are so much better and smarter than our founding fathers. These are the types of things that we will hear if, if we even get to an Article 5 convention, which I seriously doubt is going to happen. It should happen. It must happen. But I don't know if it will. I, I seriously doubt that it will. But if it does, it will be met with a lot of resistance. Then what they will do is attempt to sabotage it from without. And then they will attempt to sabotage it from within, such that it will take forever. It will take years and years and years for this Article 5 convention to reach any conclusions it will be riddled with rhinos. Rhinos will insert themselves into it, actually, in, uh, in order to sabotage it from within. And then, if anything gets passed, those things that will get passed will be minor changes. Meanwhile, the federal government will be doing everything it can to dig itself in and entrench itself even further, it tells you a lot. It tells you a lot about our opponents, this federal government. They know that what they are doing is illegal and unconstitutional. They know that what they are doing is wrong so much so that they are fortifying Washington, D.C. They are fortifying Washington, D.C. against a popular uprising because they know this is the same reason that they want to get rid of the Second Amendment. There's a meme that's been going around for years that says the reason that the federal government wants to get rid of the Second Amendment is because they are doing things they know will get them shot. The reason that they are fortifying Washington, D.C. has nothing to do with that fake insurrection of January 6th, the one that was planned and executed by Nancy Pelosi, the false flag event. No, that was their excuse to cause them to start fortifying, but they knew that they would have to start fortifying right after a stolen election. And once Biden got into office, he started fortifying even more Washington, D.C. Because he knew that the things that he was going to be doing, that the things that Nancy Pelosi was going to be doing, that the things with Chucky Schumer, that Chucky Schumer was going to be doing, were illegal and likely to eventually cause popular uprising. They are getting ready for it already, which tells you also that no matter what happens, no matter the outcome of any elections, no matter the outcome of a constitutional convention, they are not 
going to give up power. They have Republican allies now such that two parties do not exist. The, even the pretense of two parties is only gossamer. But still, we do have to try within the boundaries of the Constitution of the United States before we go pointing to the Declaration of Independence where it rightly says that we, the people, reserve the right to dissolve or replace any government, any government that becomes destructive to our individual God-given inalienable rights. So that's the next move, folks. Politically speaking, materially speaking. That is the next move. The next move is an Article 5 Constitutional Convention of the States at the same time. And we are actually moving in this direction quite well. State legislatures, state governments, need to be asserting their authority under the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, which states that any powers not specifically granted to the federal government belong to the states and the people. If the states start putting their feet down and saying we will not tolerate this kind of behavior, we will not tolerate this kind of tyranny, more and more of the federal government's power will be eroded. I think that actually is going to be the thing that causes the most change. The states exercising their power over the federal government. We'll see. We will see. Either way, as I have stated previously, the situation in the United States has deteriorated to such a point that either a national divorce or a civil war of some type is becoming more and more inevitable. Take a look at what is happening in Brazil. Perhaps within the next 48 hours, the military in Brazil will exercise their constitutional authority over a corrupt government and restore power to the people of Brazil. Likewise, there is a possibility 
and this is borne out uh, in a, uh, a fellow on YouTube that I frequently watch. Forgive me, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Here we go. What if all fist? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's what if W H A T I F A L T I H S T. And he's a young guy. Of course, compared to me, most people are, or a lot of people are. He's a young guy, but he's a very smart guy, very brilliant. And he has made two videos, I believe, with regards to a second American Civil War. And he agrees with one of my other, uh, one of the other people I follow on YouTube, Dr. Steve Turley, that an American Civil War, no matter how it goes, no matter how it goes down, no matter how it pans out, no matter who starts it, will end with the right winning. It will work very much like the Colombian Civil War, in which the left will control the urban areas and the right will control the suburban and exurban areas, and the right will win every single time. The police and the military, and by military we mean the grassroots military, the troops will side with the right and the left will lose. There is no scenario in which the left wins. None. Should that occur. If there were to be another civil war, which, like I said, is starting to become more and more of a possibility, an unfortunate possibility. And I have said before that if it does happen, it will be quick. It will be over very rapidly. I don't expect it will last longer than a year. Maybe two. But I agree. Now, uh... Another thing that, uh, what if, uh, what if all fist, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry, uh, puts out is that he believes that after such an occurrence, uh, whether there is a civil war or not in the United States, the United States will cast off the left decisively and will actually expand its influence globally. Um, and I believe this, I believe this, I have seen a massive resurgence in the Christian faith globally. There is a huge revival going on all over the globe, ironically, except for the United States. The United States will be, be excuse me will be one of the last countries touched 
by this. And the two are linked. With the expansion of Christianity comes the expansion of freedom. Christianity is freedom. Satanism, wickedness, and sin are slavery. And slavery comes from wickedness and sin. But with this huge revival that is crossing the globe, uh, I have revised my estimation on, and I've mentioned this before too, I've revised my estimation on when the rapture is going to occur. Now I am not even convinced that the rapture will occur in my lifetime, which I am very happy for. Not not to say I don't want to go to heaven, but I go to heaven either way, folks. If you're a Christian, if you are saved, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven regardless of whether you are raptured or whether you die in the next five minutes. Doesn't matter. You're going to heaven. If you do not, well, uh, that's another story entirely, and uh, you might want to look into that. But regardless, with this great revival, I think is going to come a an era of great global prosperity. We are moving away from this huge birth pang, as Jesus referred to it in Matthew 25. This huge birth pang, and this, this was a big one. We got really, really close to this global government that they want to get and that they will eventually have. If you are a globalist leftist listening right now and pulling your hair out and screaming at what I am saying, note that you will get your one world government. I promise you that it will happen. I swear to you, a hundred percent guaranteed it will happen. Just not this time. No, this time, this birth pang is over. It is coming to a close. And we are going to see an era of prosperity, an era of freedom. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know what form it's going to take. I don't know if the United States is going to suffer a national divorce the same way that Israel suffered a national divorce so many thousands of years ago when it split into Israel and Judah. But even after that, it took a couple hundred years before Judah was eliminated and Israel ceased to exist as a nation. So we might have another couple of hundred years going here, folks. I don't know. This birth pang was pretty bad, and we got pretty close. We got pretty close. So, I don't know. We'll see. God knows. What I will tell you is what I always tell you. If you are a Christian... You need to be praying for our country. You need to be praying for righteous 
government in our country. This is not unbiblical, folks. It is not unbiblical. Those people who say that Christians have no business in politics should not get involved in criticizing politics are flat wrong. I don't care if they have a degree in theology. They are flat wrong. We have to hold our political leaders to account the very reason that we are in the shape that we are in is because we have been ignoring the trespasses, the wickedness of our political leaders. And we are slowly but surely finding this out. The cabal of pedophilia, the assault on our culture, the acts of war against us politically and culturally by these people are slowly coming to light. One way or another, this stuff is going to get straightened out, folks. This stuff cannot just sit. It cannot lie. We're not talking about some things where, oh, we disagree politically on this particular subject. No, we are way beyond that. We are way beyond that. And this exists because we allowed it to exist. Because, first of all and foremost, we stopped praying. Because we turned our backs on God. Because we allowed the snake in the garden. We tolerated the snake's existence. We need to get back to praying. We need to kick the snake entirely out of the garden. If the snake wishes to exist in another garden, it is more than welcome. But it is not welcome here. We need to get involved again in politics. We need to volunteer. We need to become precinct workers and precinct chairmen. We need to monitor the elections. And we need to vote. And we need to get our friends to vote. And while it is legal, we need to get our friends and families' ballots and deliver them to victory. We need to get involved. We need to start preaching the truth, regardless of who it offends, because let me guarantee you, folks, you can look in the Constitution that I was talking about earlier, you will not find a freedom from offense. Indeed, the concept of freedom from offense was invented 
to eliminate the freedom of speech, the freedom to express ourselves, the freedom of offense, was created as a direct assault on the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Pray. Get involved. Volunteer. Vote. Call your representatives. Make your representatives fear your wrath. Call them and let them know you want an Article 5 Convention of the States. Call them and let them know that you do not want them spending $1.7 trillion of your money against you. Call them and let them know that you do not want them spending $44 million more dollars laundering in Ukraine in a war that they were planning since 2016 or before so that they could have an XCC. They needed this war so that they could continue to launder war money. War makes money for them. Money makes power. We didn't have a global war on terror anymore because of Donald Trump. He ended that little cash box for them, so they had to create another one. So they came up with Ukraine. And now that's about to be over too, folks. That's a little news for you right there. There is very soon, within the next few days, couple of weeks, maybe a month, there's going to be a massive military offensive by Russia through Belarus against Ukraine. And Ukraine will cease to exist as a nation. Because they didn't seek peace. All these things are happening, folks. All these things are changing. But we need to be involved. We cannot just sit back and go, Oh, golly, I hope everything works out. And I pray everything works out. There's nothing wrong with praying everything works out, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, folks. But miracles don't happen until we take a step too. Every single miracle that happened in the Bible, I think except for one, were all preceded by an act of faith. We have to get involved. We got ourselves into this mess because we were not doing anything. We cannot get ourselves out of this mess by not doing anything. That's all I've got to say on that particular subject at the moment. Thank you for listening to my rant. If you like what you heard, hit the like and subscribe button down below. Tell your friends about it. Share this with them. Again, if you like what you heard, if you didn't, 
tough noogies. I'm not going to change anything, but you don't have to share anything unless you want to share it with your friends so that they can be offended with you. And I don't mind offending people, if you haven't guessed. Anyway, once again, thank you for listening. You can get me... Uh, you can get in contact with me on Gab, Getter, Truth Social, and Minds at Doc Bryant and on Twitter at Doc Bryant Actual. I will talk to you all later.